welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome back to the Love Times 2 podcast. This is part two of a two-part discussion that's extremely important, extremely relevant, and extremely timely. And that's because we're talking about it all uh, in all-out push by abortion supporters to win the cultural tipping point. And if they get there first, they're going to win the war. Now, not the ultimate war as in eternity, because we know abortion ultimately ends by what we read in passages such as that in the book of Revelation. Uh, chapter 21, verse 4, if you want to check it out, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now, some people ask me if I really, really, really think abortion will ever end. And I say, yes, I absolutely know it's going to end. And I love to point to passages just like that as proof positive that abortion will end. Uh, So that's not the war that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the American culture war. Somebody's going to win the cultural tipping point on abortion, and it's going to be much sooner rather than later. Now, this was a central part of a book I wrote late last year or released late last year called Viability 2.0. And in it, I predicted that the cultural tipping point will be won decisively by the year 2030. And I'll never forget, my wife did the first proof of the book, and her first response was that 2030 is being way too generous. And the way things are moving right now, I'd have to agree with her on that. Uh, This is why we're talking about polls. Uh, because they reveal to us where the culture is at right now. And we need to know that if we're going to talk about cultural tipping points, we have to talk about where the culture is at right now to get some kind of bearing and the lay of the land. So now this is where I like to always insert a disclaimer about polls. They can be useful. They can reveal a lot of things to us, but we always have to just accept them for what they are. A poll is what a poll is, a snapshot in time of how a particular sample set is responding to particular questions. Good polls are statistically relevant. Bad polls, well, let's just face it, they can be skewed to say pretty much whatever you want them to say. And uh, polls are always open to interpretation. That's what I'm doing today. I'm going to be interpreting uh, some of these poll responses. So, you know, there you have it. The official disclaimer, a poll is what a poll is. But I think the poll that we're going to talk about today, it's a good poll. And it's a good one to analyze. And uh, that's what we're going to jump in and do. Now, in the last episode... We got this conversation started when I discussed a Knights of Columbus poll that was released earlier this year. There was a second poll that was put out about the same time in January, and the second poll was put out by Students for Life of America, and that's what I want to dive into today. I want to peel that back a little bit and uh, just uh, take a deeper look at uh, some of the responses on that. Now, this poll was done between January 7th and 11th of 2021. Uh, Students for Life for America uh, of America conducted it, and they had 800 registered voters. Voters 18 to 34 years old. And according to the poll stats, uh, 30% identified as Republican, 36% Democrat, 34% Independent. So they were obviously striving for a good cross-section, one-third, one-third, one-third. Uh, so what did the respondents have to say? Well, we're going to look at the top results first, and then I'm going to you know go back and give you some of my quick takeaways on some of these uh, selected topics, okay? So here we go. This is according to the Students for Life press release on this uh, that they put out. Here is what they identified as the key takeaways. I'm going to run through these pretty quick. Almost seven out of 10 millennials and Gen Z want to vote on abortion related policy. More than seven out of 10 expressed support for limits on abortion. Almost five in 10 do not support forcing all Americans, regardless of their beliefs, to pay for abortions. Uh, Looking at the big picture of Supreme Court legalized abortion, almost six out of 10 oppose Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton when they learn 
that they allow for abortion through all nine months. Educating this generation on Roe pays off. The number of respondents opposing Roe and Doe nearly doubled after learning more about what the law allows. And in fact, more millennials and Gen Z directly supported reversing Roe and sending abortion policy to the states and voters than opposed it. And less than two out of 10 want unlimited abortion through all nine months, which Roe allows. So there you go. Those are the top identified takeaways from Students for Life on their poll. Now, that's gonna, we're just going to back up and I'm going to take some of those. I don't think I've got um, all of these, maybe time today to discuss them. But I'm just going to take some of these. First up, almost seven out of 10 millennials and Gen Z want to vote on abortion related policy. Now, here's my key takeaway on this. Frankly, um, I think this one is really tricky to navigate. And I'll grant you that from one angle, it may be a positive expression that this age group is tired of judges making up all the rules. And if this is the case, uh, then at least they're weighing in and saying that uh, these voters uh, just think the judicial rulings are flat out wrong and they want to correct a perceived problem that is um, denying the right to life. And that would be a good thing. But, and here's here's the but in all of this. Uh, first of all, uh, I don't think they're quite frankly understanding the full dynamics that judges are still going to weigh in on this regardless. But there's this part of this that I find this really disturbing, like really disturbing. And here's why I find it disturbing. I don't think it's a good thing if this indicates that they want to vote on whether human life should be protected or not. You know, like a majority rule, like I want my feelings to be expressed. That's called a straight democracy where the majority rules. And if the majority says you're out, you're out. So you or me or a single mom or an unborn baby has, whether they have the right to life or not, and put that up to popular vote, steers us into some pretty deep waters. And maybe I'm completely overthinking this. I'm probably not communicating my concern very well, but um, hopefully you can see kind of where I'm getting at with this. It's a good thing, I guess is what I'm saying. If you think the judiciary is out of control, and that's why people need to be able to vote on these things, then that's one angle to look at this. But if this is a, we need to be able to vote on who has the right to life and who doesn't have the right to life, um, that could lead to some very, uh, very troubling things. So let's jump to the next one. Next up, seven out of 10 of these voters expressed support for limits on abortion. Key takeaway, once again, even among young voters, we see the disconnect with what the unfiltered abortion movement is really about and the voters once they understand it. This exposes a vulnerability that drives abortion supporters crazy because it reveals that no matter how much they try, the stigma of abortion is real and they can't get over that hump. The baby's real, and they can't get over that. Stigma, we keep hearing that word. Uh, just pay attention to the news feed on, on abortion-related topics, and you'll see it over and over and over again. Stigma, because it represents the one major thing that is preventing abortion supporters from winning the cultural tipping point, and they fully get that. Incidentally, this is why the old saying from the abortion supporters uh, that they want abortion to be, quote, safe, legal, and rare, unquote, has been totally abandoned totally abandoned. Uh, someone around uh, the abortion table figured this out. And basically, here's what they figured out. If we are admitting that you want it to be, quote, rare, then you're obviously implying that there's something wrong with it. You're fostering, here it comes, you're fostering stigma if you want abortion to be rare. So now you have to be all in, no more rare. And yet seven out of 10 millennial voters want limits, drives the abortion industry up an absolute wall. Moving on, almost five 
out of 10 young voters do not support forcing Americans to pay for abortions, while 36% support it. Key takeaway. Okay, I really don't want to be viewed as an eternal pessimist on this. I really don't. But I could just take it that a majority is against taxpayer-funded abortion and leave it there and say it's a good thing. But I've got to be upfront with you. I see a real problem developing here, like a huge problem. Last episode, we discussed the Knights of Columbus poll where a larger percentage in that poll opposed coerced taxpayer funding. But this is the key. That poll included older voters in the mix of who they were talking to. The percentage of opposition with the 18, 34-year-olds in this poll is much lower. It's much lower in this younger age group. That's a trend. And that's why this is a big problem and a problem that seems perfectly natural to emerge in a new generation of taxpayers that now expects in this age of seemingly endless stimulus checks that arrive at your door every couple of months, something like that. They expect the government to pay for everything. I'll guess this is why abortion is now being rebranded as health care. Watch this trend closely. Uh, Watch it very closely. Now, I know a counter to this could very well be, well, younger voters, you know, haven't had as many tax dollars maybe go into the system. That's why they're not as much in tune with it. I don't know if that's the case or not. I'm just saying that uh, the percentage of opposition to taxpayer funded abortion is much lower in 18 to 34 year olds than it was in uh, in a group that included uh, a lot of an older demographic. So let's jump to the next one. Next up, six out of 10 oppose Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton. Let me insert here. A really big thank you to Students for Life of America for pushing on this issue by including Dole versus Bolton. You can't understand you you can't talk about one without talking about the other. And as we've seen in other polls, when people learn that these rulings together, taken together, legalize abortion for the full nine months of pregnancy, it completely changes the perspective of how somebody views it. Key takeaway on this. Okay, a majority here is very encouraging. It's very encouraging because after uh, after all of these years of Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton being the, quote, law of the land, you still have a majority, even the younger generation, uh, that oppose these rulings and the extremity of it. But, you know, seriously, here's what's, here's what's uh, just troubling out of this. Three out of ten are okay with it. Even after learning that these two court rulings legalize abortion all the way up to the moment of live birth, you still have three out of ten that think that's okay, have no problem with it. I mean, I wonder if that number would drop if the same respondents were to witness a partial birth abortion. I'm being serious here. I mean, three out of 10, would they really change their mind if they saw something like that happening? Three out of 10, that's a big problem. Uh, But there is good news. I don't want to overshadow the good news. 57%, it's up from 51% who responded to this in 2019. So excellent trending here. The key is education. Seriously, I mean, Roe is a buzzword. Few people understand it. You ask somebody, do you support Roe versus Wade? You know, what's their context of it? You're asking them a question that uh, most people have zero context of what they're answering. Uh, Doe uh, is an obscurity that almost no one knows about unless you've really dived into this issue. So when you see any poll that asks about support for Roe, and if that poll did not properly define Roe, then... That poll is giving you some bogus results. I'm just saying, you got to know the context of what you're answering. Next up, here's a unique one. By a majority of 55% to 23%, these voters supported requiring in-person purchase of chemical abortion drugs instead of online or over-the-counter sales, uh, ostensibly to stop abuses from abusers who might 
do stuff like, I don't know, anonymously, anonymously buy these drugs um, and slip them into the drinks of pregnant girlfriends so they don't have to pay uh, for an abortion or they don't have to pay for a baby. I mean, you would think that that doesn't happen. It does happen. And if these drugs are ever available in person, like at a pharmacy or a retail store, there will be practically nothing anyone can do to stop a creep from being a creep. Now, I know the respondents mean well, but to my knowledge, if these drugs go over the counter, uh, there will be no requirement that the person buying chemical abortions is the user and not the abuser. But aside from that whole question, God help us. I mean, I seriously mean that. God help us when a killer drug is available next to the heartburn meds at your local retail store. And if you've seen the film Unplanned and the bathroom bleed out scene, I'll just call it that, this is what could and likely will be available soon over the counter. I mean, this is, this could be a reality. And even to, I don't know, a 12 year old girl. And am I going too far out on a limb on this? When this question was asked, the FDA had not yet instituted a rule change on chemical abortions that makes them available through the mail without any in-person connection. That rule change, if you haven't been paying attention to the news, that rule change just happened. This is reality. This is what we're grasping or grappling with right now in our culture. Okay, I have a lot more. We, we need to have an entire different episode on that, frankly. But uh, just to move on for time's sake, just a few more here. Uh, of the key voters, uh, of the voters surveyed, one in four had no faith affiliation, as in zero. Now, key takeaway on this, that number will continue to rise as we move forward. To hear more extensive comments on why this should be a concern, just go back a few episodes of the podcast to an episode titled The Rise of the Nuns. And I'm just going to say it. The ultimate intrinsic value of each human life is that it is created in the image of God. That is only learned through a faith basis. Can you respect life without faith? Can you? Well, sure you can. But without any absolute truth, connected to that, that connection to being created in God's image. That's the absolute connection of the absolute intrinsic value of every unborn baby. If you don't have that, then any respect that you may have is built on shifting sand. So the connection is this, put this in your mind here. If fewer people are exposed to a biblical faith, the respect for an intrinsic God-given value of human life will diminish. Show me a humanist system that has not been destructive to human life. It doesn't exist. This is why Christ-centered culture change is at the absolute core of what we are about with Love Times 2. Now, we have time just for one more. By a majority of 65 to 18%, millennial and Gen Z voters supported the right of free speech on campus. Key takeaway. Thankfully, it looks as if free speech is holding its ground with this age group. That's a great thing. Now, whether that holds long term when there's an all out push to label pro-life speech as hate speech remains to be seen. In other words, what limitations will this younger group of voters apply to pro-life speech? Will it be based on the U.S. Constitution and its protection of free speech or will it be based on how it measures up on a wokeness scale? In other words, you have the right to free speech as long as it falls in line with what messaging is pre-approved. Wow, so many angles to consider. That's a whole other episode there as well. But this is where we are as a culture. These are the questions we've got to be willing to ask. So there you have it. Two new polls, two new takes 
on where the culture is going right now in 2021 on the topic of abortion. I'd like to publicly thank the Knights of Columbus and Students for Life of America for investing the resources into conducting these polls because they are not cheap. I will guarantee you this type of polling, it's not cheap. And I'm sure if you go online, you can easily find the summaries of both of these polls. Just Google it. And if you like more detailed information, it's out there. You can see all the stuff that I just don't have time to cover and make your own assessment of it. Uh, There's a lot of information, and I simply am not able to cover it um, on this podcast with time limitations, but I do encourage you, dive into it for yourself. Hey, now that we've been talking at the 50,000-foot level, let's take it even higher and ask, what does this all mean? The answer, the cultural tipping point on abortion is still up for grabs, but it will not stay that way forever. Someone's going to get there first, and it will happen long before 2030. Hey, that's it for this episode of the Love Times 2 podcast. Be sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Jump over to our Facebook page at lovex2org and uh, share this podcast with your friends as well. And above all else, never forget, change the culture and the politics. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number two dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening.